In the last 18 months, Sydney, Cairo and Phoenix have suffered some of the hottest days on record, creating heat islands where developed areas are absorbing more heat than their natural surrounding areas. This combined with continued urbanisation is putting our cities at risk of becoming unlivable. Meanwhile, coastal cities have had to cope with an additional threat as sea levels rise. To discuss the future of cities and the steps businesses and communities can take to prepare and build resilience to extreme weather are John Scott, Head of Sustainability Risk, and Amar Rahman, Global Head of Climate Resilience Services, both from Zurich Insurance Group. John, I'm going to start with you. Our cities face a common problem, extreme weather events and the future impact of climate change. Just how serious is the challenge and how many of our cities are actually at risk? Well, it turns out it's a really complicated task to disentangle the natural variations in extreme weather that we see today from the effects of climate change, which will happen over many decades. It's true that while some climate change impacts are already obvious, we can see that in terms of retreating glaciers and sea level rise from the melting land ice in places like Greenland and Antarctica, the impact on today's weather really is much harder to interpret. Climate scientists really now understand that prolonged periods of heat and cold are the things that are most closely attributable to ongoing global warming. But the things that are more difficult to model are the chaotic weather systems, the things like tropical storms or convective hailstorms and tornadoes and the like. And many of those systems are already strongly affected by multi-decadal processes like La Nina or El Nina and the Southern Indian Ocean Dipole, where the interaction between the ocean and the atmosphere influences the weather. And there's also some evidence recently that the changing climate is influencing the behaviour of the jet stream which has the effect of localising weather systems often for weeks at a time, causing prolonged rainfall or drought or frost or heat. Most climate scientists agree that over time, climate change will really exacerbate these chaotic severe weather events. And tropical storms are likely to become more impactful with higher wind speeds, greater aerial extent, and even changing their typical paths, which we've seen more recently, and becoming extra-tropical storms or rainstorm flooding events when they eventually hit land. And then if we can combine that effect with the global sea level rise of up to two metres by the end of the century because of land ice melt, that means coastal cities in particular are really at risk of significant storm surge flooding of many metres during storms. Um, I describe for us what is exacerbating these events to make their effects so much worse in urban areas. So the aspects John just talked about are one dimension of the problem. The severity of these events that we're witnessing on a monthly basis is is intensified by increased urbanization with the demands that that places on infrastructure that's in many cases very old and poorly maintained. Urban development projects where you have increased population in, in very concentrated parts of the city overload the capacity of the existing infrastructure. These were designed several decades ago for much lower population levels. The upgrade of that infrastructure isn't matching the increase in the population. So besides population growth and aging, poorly maintained infrastructure, climate change is affecting the reliability of that infrastructure. Just to mention a few examples, when we have increased temperature, that affects the effectiveness of the water treatment plants because the chemical composition of the water changes with with increased temperature. Power generation plants and high-voltage transmission networks are affected by higher temperatures as well because the generation and transmission capacities of the network are reduced. When we have uh, higher temperatures and higher urbanization, 
the water demand increases, which means that local communities start extracting groundwater. That results not only in depletion of the aquifer water, but also accelerated ground settlement, which in turn affects the buried infrastructure and above-ground building. So John, how will rising tides and rising temperatures affect our cities in the future? And how quickly are we likely to experience these consequences if no action is taken to prevent them? It's estimated that around two-thirds of the global population will live in cities by 2050. And already around 800 million people in more than 570 coastal cities are vulnerable to a sea level rise of just half a metre by 2050. So it's a kind of vicious cycle as urbanisation not only concentrates people and property in areas of potential damage and disruption, but it also exacerbates those risks. For example, by destroying the natural resources of resilience, such as coastal mangroves, and increasing the strain on groundwater reserves. So when we see the sea level rise on coastal cities and plains, that will really create a lot of land that's uninhabitable or economically unviable, uh, which is also likely to lead to population movement within and from large cities. More people will likely be crammed into shrinking tracts of habitable urban space, and they're more likely to want to move to other cities, either domestically or, or even in other countries. And these movements have the potential to cause all sorts of spillover risks. For example, they could result in heightened strain on food and water supplies, or increased societal or economic or even security pressures. And according to the World Bank, climate change could force uh, over 80 million people in sub-Saharan Africa, 40 million people in South Asia, and, and nearly 20 million people in Latin America to permanently relocate internally in those continents by 2050. Is relocating entire cities an option? And if so, what are the challenges involved in such a drastic response? Well, it seems shocking to us now, but the idea of a managed retreat is likely to become an increasingly familiar feature of adaptation plans as sea levels continue to rise and extreme weather intensifies. Over 10 years ago in uh, Bangkok, when there was some severe flooding, it certainly prompted the authorities there to suggest even moving the entire capital city. And one study I looked at recently identifies 27 places across 22 different countries where managed retreat has already occurred. And, and elsewhere, I think plans are in preparation. Uh, some examples are places like the Maldives, which is, intends to build artificial islands fortified with a three-metre-high seawall and financed by renting out islands and boosting tourism. And in Indonesia, the capital city Jakarta is in the process of building a massive seawall uh, and has also launched a five-year project to relocate around 400,000 people away from the coastal areas, riverbanks and reservoirs under threat from rising sea levels. And, and if I just take the United States, uh, $48 million was allocated to relocate the entire community of the Ile de Saint-Jean-Charles in Alaska, which uh, since 1955 actually has lost 98% of its land from uh, flooding. And the complex tasks of resettling these residents in all these different places, while somehow keeping a sense of community, will really serve as a test case for future managed retreats. And about five years ago, uh, and a new initiative was launched called uh, the Sponge City Initiative, which was really about the design of, of urban environments to offset the increased flood risks uh, uh, due to that kind of rapid urbanisation, introducing features such as permeable pavements, uh, sustainable urban drainage systems, 
new wetland areas and, and green roofs. And the 30 cities in the program, which include Shanghai, by the way, which is particularly vulnerable to sea level rise, uh, of those, the target is for 80% of urban land to be able to absorb or reuse around about 70% of stormwater by 2030. Emma, I'm going to come back to you. What can businesses do to protect themselves from more frequent and intense flooding? And on the other side, from heat waves and rising temperatures? Over the past year, a lot of business have announced various sustainability initiatives to reduce their emissions, to become more uh, environmentally friendly. However, there's still a lot to be done, not only regarding increasing resilience to changing weather patterns, but just as importantly, how to ensure that implementing your sustainability measures don't actually increase the risk of your operation. So the, the first step of the solution scoping process is to understand the details of your own operations. Specifically, what does your organization consider critical or important for the business? These usually mean different things to different people. A detailed understanding of all aspects of your business is necessary because each part of the value chain needs to be considered. The second step of the process is to determine what are the triggers that could impact these criticalities. And you need to define the potential consequences. In other words, you need to develop risk scenarios. The third step is to develop the solutions. These should be realistic, can be implemented, and most importantly, don't increase the risk, whether physical or reputational, of your operations. Each step of the analysis requires different data, different tools, different expertise. The uncertainties around the data should also be considered every stage of the analysis. It's not important to have exact data because you're developing scenarios. And Amar, more generally, what can businesses do to be part of the solution to the problem of flooding and heat waves? So businesses, no matter what size, can and should play an important role in their communities. Educating and informing people about the consequences of climate change and the associated impact uh, on societies is very, very important. They should be a role model in sustainable use of resources and supporting their societies in the transition to a net zero emissions economy. Businesses that can show a realistic sustainability plan to their investors, stakeholders and communities will come under intense scrutiny and may face an existential threat, not only due to climate change, but due to their inaction. Great. John, Amar, thank you so much for sharing your insights and advice on the future of cities. And to our listeners, check out other episodes and related content at zurich.com forward slash natural hazards.